Welcome to Locked On NBA on a Tuesday, everybody. I'm Wes Goldberg from the Mercury News and host of Locked On Warriors here with the host of Locked On Heat, David Ramil. Coming up, we preview this week's play-in tournament and predict the winners who will advance to the playoffs. Today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, David, let's get right into it. The play-in tournament is this week. It starts Tuesday with the Eastern Conference before the West plays on Wednesday. We're going to preview all of the matchups, but let's start with the biggest one, David. The Warriors and the Lakers pitting LeBron James and Steph Curry against each other in a game with postseason stakes for the first time in three years. What do you think about the fact that Adam Silver got the best possible outcome, I suppose, for this first ever play-in tournament with LeBron versus Steph? You know, I, I've thought about that, and I feel like it's probably not the best outcome. Like, to me, I, the eliminate the potential elimination of two of your league's biggest stars in LeBron and Steph Curry, I, I feel like that's probably keeping them up at night, not necessarily something he's going, oh, wow, look at that. We're really getting some big names drawn to this tournament that's co- come under fire so much recently. So I, I, that's my feeling anyway. Like, I mean, it's unlikely that either Steph or LeBron will be eliminated, obviously not by playing each other. That's just to determine who's the seventh seed. And I feel like so many people, even like – followers of the nba don't really know the rules getting into the playing tournament's not a guarantee of making the playoffs the seven eight seed they have to face each other just for the right to be the seventh seed the loser of that game faces the winner of the nine ten matchup so let's be clear about that but as far right. as lebron and and steph are concerned that's that's a big name i mean those are huge names obviously superstars Juicy. in this league yeah it's as good as you're gonna get and that's probably I mean, from that side of things, yes, as a, as a, a peripheral fan and you're looking at what the hell is the play-in tournament and you're looking at LeBron and Steph, that's going to draw your attention. Mm-hmm. So maybe by that perspective, Adam Silver is probably pretty optimistic about what's going to happen. And and a lot of people are saying, oh, this like Sunday showcase with the 15 games determining the play-in tournament was a huge win by the league. Let's just remember that that Memphis-Golden State game would have mattered either way. And it, if anything, it would have had more stakes, right? Because it would have determined who made it as the eighth seed into the playoffs. So people are sort of trumpeting this playing game as uh, uh, this playing tournament as a way to make that last day of the regular season matter. No, I think the unsung hero here is let's remember it by all at the start of the all-star break. We didn't know what the second half of the schedule would look like. Right. And the, and the league released the second half of the schedule. Do we think it's a coincidence that Golden State and Memphis played in the last game of the season? No, they were both jockeying for position even back at the All-Star break. Whether Whatever algorithm that they used in the league office to determine, hey, Memphis and Golden State will probably be pretty tight in the standings, and this game is going to matter unless that's the hero here, right? And so maybe going forward, 82 games and everything like that, I don't know if we'll see a play-in tournament. Steph Curry said this the other day. like We asked if if, if he thought that there would be more play-in game uh, tournaments going forward. He's like, well, it's going to be tough if you have 82 games because there's a difference between 72 and 82. Um, but maybe something that they can keep from this season is that second half of the schedule rollout, right? Because you get that big event for the first half of the schedule. You get that, that second big event for that second half of the schedule. And you can kind of manufacture it if you're the league to, to get the best games at the end of the season as possible. Yeah, no, I, I all good points. I feel like the Western Conference in particular, so much was still up in the air on the very last day of action. Something that doesn't feel like that's been the case 
or over the last few, obviously we were denied that last year because of the, uh, you know, the bubble and the hiatus and everything else. But the year before that, I don't recall that so many, so many different playoff seeds were determined in the very last game mm-hmm. of the regular season. And very up to the end, you're still waiting on your seat, waiting to see whether or not somebody was going to be in or out and whether or not they were going to be the sixth seed or the eighth seed. So much was still up in the air. Look, but, to me, and we've talked about this before, the play-in tournament has been hugely successful. I get Steph's yeah. point about an 82-game season being very you know, difficult to try and arrange another additional game or two. I feel like at this point, you're looking at the positives of the play-in tournament. I can't see a scenario where you wind up not having it because so many different cities have been up to, you know, they're trying to stay interested in what would be a playoff race that normally would not have that much attention towards the end of the season. And so you've got a lot of teams still struggling to try and get in there, whether or not they should, it's eliminate tanking almost virtually. I feel like, yeah, it starts the last couple of games of the season, maybe for those teams that were in the bottom of their respective conferences, they stopped caring a long time ago. It really didn't matter. But for those teams that were like still in the hunt in the thick of things, there was interest, there was genuine levels of play, some manipulation as far as like who do you bench and who do you start and things of that sort. But overall, I think teams are giving it their all, trying up to the very last game. So much interest, again, league-wide. If you're a fan of the league and a fan of basketball, you love the playing tournament and all the excitement it's created. Yeah. Um, maybe this is a way for the, the league to, to just permanently cut the regular season down from 82 games to 72 or something like that. Maybe Ooh. this is just the excuse that they need. Hey, we'll give you the play-in tournament maybe expand the play-in tournament or something to add a few more games and a little bit more revenue streams. But um, that's a, a whole other conversation. We're here to talk about the preview and preview the play-in tournament that is going to happen this week. And, and the big headline marquee matchup is Warriors versus Lakers. That's going to be Wednesday night. We're going to talk about it right now, David. Uh, like we said, LeBron versus Steph. This is a huge showcase. Uh, the Warriors going into this game have won six straight. The Lakers going into this game have won five straight. You could argue that the Warriors have never looked better, right? 15 of their last 20 games that they've won over that span, they're number one in the league in net rating. Uh, Steve Kerr has found a rotation that works. Guys are playing off of Steph Curry in a way that they weren't able to play off of him uh, earlier in the season. And then if you're the Lakers, LeBron looked really good in that New Orleans game. He looked spry. He was jumping past in lanes. He was faster than everybody else on the court. Uh, and so he looks fresh. He, that a little bit of a, uh, a ankle tweak at the end there but he says he'll be fine and i tend to believe lebron when he talks about his body so and then anthony mm. davis has been ramping up uh since he's gotten back they've got uh dennis Schroeder back from an extended stay in the health and safety protocol so they mm. look healthy the warriors look good who do you like in this game i i can't decide like i i feel like and this is part of the exciting nature of this is that when you look at a player like Steph, and I think I've talked about this before with you, is the the, the, the incredible offensive volatility, his explosiveness, like the fact that he can go off for 50 and there's no way of stopping him once he gets into that rhythm. That makes for some very interesting scenarios there, like where the Lakers can that they could score 120 and Golden State can still find a way to score 121 and beat them. And so that's what makes the tournament so interesting. And from a player's perspective, probably something that they're not that interested in. But I, I like honestly, I like the Lakers chances. I like their overall chemistry. I like their defensive abilities. It's been one of their strengths all season, obviously. And so given that and the fact that you're all kind of counting on Steph to have a huge game in order for you to have any chance of knocking them off. 
Golden State's backs are against the wall a little bit more. I think there's more pressure on the Warriors at this point, too, because I think the Lakers, if they wound up losing, again, they'd face the winners of the 9-10 seed, and I don't think they'd have any problems dispatching either Memphis or San Antonio if whoever winds up winning that game. So I think there's more pressure on Golden State to prove that they still belong, that they're still capable, and again, that you're counting on Steph having a big game for you to have any chance of winning. And, and the Lakers have a lot of different lineups that they can get to, right? Right. And, uh, and, and the Warriors just don't, right? They start Kevon Looney yeah. at center. He's, you know, and they call him their traditional center, but that's a generous term considering that he's only six foot nine. Meanwhile, the Lakers have Marcus Saul, Andre Drummond, Montrez Harrell. Obviously, you have the small ball lineup with Anthony Davis that they can get to, you know, quote unquote small ball. But, uh, and, and so they can kind of shape shift based on how that matchup is going. So I, I know. I've been wondering, hey, this is a this is a high stakes game. Does Frank Vogel just say, screw it, let's just start our best lineup and put Anthony Davis at center? Because Anthony Davis has barely played center all year. Ten percent of his possessions have come at center because they've been trying to work in this, you know, three man rotation. Right. And do you really want to sort of uh, just dispose of all three of them and just go ahead with Anthony Davis um, as your starting five? I have the feeling that Frank Vogel will come out, start either Andre Drummond or Marcus Saul or whoever, and just get a feel for what that looks like. And if they yeah. feel like they could just get on the glass. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's working. And, and if not, yeah, quick hook. And then maybe like, if that doesn't work, you can always go with Montrez Harrell, who's just a, a fiend on the boards and you could just, his energy would be a nightmare against golden state. Uh, and then if that doesn't work too, then you just always end up with Anthony Davis. You space the floor and let him and LeBron James just bully ball their way to a win. Yeah, no, all good points. I mean, and I gets a big, Plus for the Lakers that they have that kind of versatility. They, they have much more depth. Obviously, injuries have taken a, a lot of what Golden State can do. Um, the roster going through some major changes as well. So, yeah, it looks like the Lakers will probably find a way to advance pretty quickly. But I mean, well, you cover the team. I mean, you, you know better than anybody. What can how what are Golden State's best chances of knocking off the Lakers given everything you just talked about? Well, you need 40 something points from Steph, right? Right. Like it's not even he can't even average what he averaged to win the scoring title. It's not good enough. 30 isn't good enough. Yeah. yeah. It's not, it's not good enough. Like he needs to, he needed 46 points to, to beat Memphis on right. a night where you got contributions from Andrew Wiggins and other places and Jordan Poole and other places on the roster. Like those guys have stepped up more recently than they did at the start of the season, which has been helpful, right? You're getting 15 to 20 points from Poole, 15 to 20, you know, 20 points basically from Andrew Wiggins. If, if you can get a little bit more from a guy like Kent Bazemore, or Draymond Green, then that's how they win. And look, Draymond has done a good job guarding sure. Anthony Davis uh, this season. And in the, they only met one time this season, but, but also in the past, he's, he's done a good job with him. Uh, but I don't, I don't know what they do with LeBron. Like Andrew Wiggins, I suppose, is the answer there. Um, but LeBron is going to hunt matchups like he always does. And if you start Wiggins on LeBron, then he's going to look for to, to uh, draw Steph Curry into a pick and roll with, if, if Steph is slotted on Alex Caruso or Dennis Schroeder, he's going to just hunt Curry like he did in the 2016 finals. Now, Curry is better defensively than he was back then, but it's he's still giving up, you know, height, strength, speed, all the above, right, to LeBron. So it's still going to be a tough matchup. Uh, I guess you could counter if you're the Warriors with, with Kent Bazemore, who, by the way, is starting now for Kelly Oubre, who's out with a wrist injury. The Warriors have been better without Oubre, but Oubre was their primary defender in three meetings against LeBron all season. They don't have Oubre anymore. Oubre did an okay job. They don't have him anymore. So now you're going to ask Baysmore, who is like who leads the league in fouls uh, among wing players. So, and that's the worst thing you want to do against LeBron. Yeah, is is foul him and just give him easy points at the free throw line, right? So, 
it's basically Wiggins or bust. If you're going to have Draymond green on Anthony Davis, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really know how you guard LeBron. Like it just feels like the only way you slow LeBron is if LeBron slows himself and this ankle turns out to be something more than what we think it is right now. Yeah. Too late to add Solomon Hill to the roster, I guess. Man. Although I, <laughs> I don't know. Is it, where is he? <laughs> <laughs> he's in Atlanta now. Oh, he's, okay. a, he's the reason for the injury, at least according to LeBron, he's still complaining about it pretty publicly. Something that's, upsetting me i, I don't know I, I feel like watching the replay you probably don't even haven't even seen it but solomon hill was diving for a loose ball weeks ago and yeah kind of rolled into lebron's ankle and now he's still complaining about it weeks later so anyway that's a whole other story well i, I think that when we come down to it there's a lot of matchups that could work like look if steph gets going it just it has this dynamic shift on the court that just affects yes. everything right you just right if you're the lakers you start freaking out you start double and triple teaming him right. and and then everybody else is able to get loose and if you've got Juan Descano anderson draymond green doing the fake dribble handoffs to dunks with wide open lanes and Wiggins cutting to the basket the way he has and maybe you get some help from Bazemore or Jordan Poole or something like anything can happen they can get hot from three-point range the Lakers are still one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league with or without Anthony Davis and LeBron James in the lineup but you know it kind of, we, you get down to the the these principal questions of okay what do the Lakers do to guard Steph all right that's a legit concern but if you're the Warriors You've got two of those guys, right? Like you, you have to ask that question twice. What do we do to guard LeBron? And what do we do to guard Anthony Davis? And right. if the Lakers are healthy, then they're going to look a lot like the team that they were to start the year where they looked like they were about to repeat as champions uh, more so than they looked during that, that stretch when they didn't have AD or LeBron healthy. So uh, I think that the Warriors will probably lose this game. I'm not saying it's impossible. You never want us to count out Steph and Draymond and Steve Kerr in, the, in that group, but um, it looks like the Warriors will end up playing Friday, I think, for a chance to get the eighth seed. Yeah. Um, so, so which which team has a better chance of upsetting the Phoenix Suns? Well, I think either team has a good chance to upset. Well, uh, I think the Lakers have the best chance to upset the Suns or or Utah, whichever team they end up playing. But uh, if I'm the Warriors, I don't I don't think the Warriors have a chance to upset the Jazz. They beat the Jazz last week, but that was without Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell in the lineup. I think the Jazz just come in waves in a way that the Warriors can't. And it's one thing that like Steph, all these things that we're talking about it in a one-off game, it's nearly impossible to stop him. Like it just, it, even, even that Sunday finale against, uh, against Memphis, he had 13 points in the first half and you're like, boy, maybe the Warriors are actually going to lose this game. Like, and then he goes off for 33 points in the second half. It's just inevitable with him, but in the, in a seven game series, it's just easier to game plan for that stuff. Right? Like there's going to yeah. be times where, especially on this team where there is no Kevin Durant or Clay Thompson as an outlet, like there is no outlet on this, on this, on this team. Yeah. Um, so against Utah, I think that's tough, but against Phoenix, I don't know, like the Warriors have Chris Paul's number. I just, you, you can't escape that. And if, if uh, between the two teams, I think the Warriors would have a better chance against Phoenix. Uh, we will talk about the Celtics coming up who I don't think have yet hit rock bottom i think that's coming up but first david tell the listeners about rock auto well it's just great to go in there uh, on rockauto.com's easy to use website because it's so much more convenient than going to like a, a traditional chain storefront and looking at somebody and asking them questions and you know they're asking you questions and you don't know exactly what you want they look up on their computer for a part that you may or may not need you wind up spending too much money when you could just use the computer that you have on your phone or at home to access uh, rockauto.com they've been serving customers online for 20 years you get all the parts you could possibly need at the same low prices for 
everybody. And it's just a few easy clicks. Their site is so easy to navigate. And again, you get everything delivered directly and safely at your home. RockAuto.com's prices are the best. You can't beat them. And if you go right now to RockAuto.com and you find all the parts you might need for your car or truck, then go to the section that says, how did you hear about us? And write the phrase locked on so they know we set you. It's amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. That's RockAuto.com. All right, let's move on to our next matchup between the Wizards and the Celtics. Uh, the Celtics are limping into the postseason. That's the whole the Eastern Conference. Yeah, are, I, I'm, I'm yeah. just thinking about this right now. It's like the excitement of the Western Conference, all these big names attached in the playing tournament. Out East, it's like, ah, oh, do we really have to do this? Like, I don't think any of the teams that are actually in the playing tournament have any interest in actually advancing. Well, Boston probably doesn't. I mean, th- Definitely that is- not. And, but I think if any team does, it's Washington, right? Like you, you think about all the four teams in the East, it's Boston, Washington, Indiana, Charlotte. Indiana wants the season to be over. Charlotte, yeah. I think you want to, we'll talk about this in a minute, but you want to get at least a look at LaMelo Ball. But Washington, they're they're trying to prove like, hey, you know, we shouldn't trade Bradley Beal. We're not going to blow it up. Look at what we have with Russell Westbrook. He's the third best point guard of all time or whatever it is that they're talking about. So uh, let's talk about this matchup though, because to me of all the play-in games, this is the one that I have the hardest time predicting. Right. I'm pretty huh. I feel pretty good about Lakers Warriors in, in the fact that I think the Lakers are going to advance Indiana, Charlotte. Uh, I feel pretty good about Indiana, but we'll get to that. And then Memphis, San Antonio, we'll get to that one, too. But Boston, Washington. I think this is going to come down to a couple different matchups. You're going to have Jason Tatum versus Bradley Beal, two high scorers, guys capable of putting up 60 on any given night. Uh, they're going to go. And then you've got Kemba Walker versus Russell Westbrook, just from a scoring standpoint. Right. I don't know <laughs> that these guys are going to guard each other or whatever, but. To me, I think Tatum and Beal kind of even each other out. And this and this game could come down to Kemba Walker versus Russell Westbrook. And who gives you more out of those two high-variance characters this season? Because when you look at it, with, with Jalen Brown out for the season, I think both of these supporting casts are basically even outside of their top players. And I think that's going to make a lot of Celtics fans upset, but it's true. Uh, th- these supporting casts are basically a draw. So to me, it comes down to those secondary characters, the Kemba Walker and the Russell Westbrook. Yeah, but I mean, you're also kind of glossing over the fact that Beal's hurt, right? Like he's he's not going to be 100%. At least I think that's what he recently said, that even playing the last game of the season may have yeah. further aggravated the injury. And so if that's the case... You think he's I, playing possum with that? He says his hamstring is not 100%. You think he's playing possum a little bit? I don't. I, I don't. I don't know. Do you think that players actually go through those kind of machinations on a public level, like uh, that they're 100% and just publicly they're kind of hedging their bets a little bit, saying, oh, you know, I don't feel quite right. I feel like that's what LeBron's doing. Like he's been yeah. griping so publicly. I think you see it all the time. Like after the playoffs, you say, oh, that guy, was, I was actually playing with a broken hand the entire postseason, turns out. Oh, that was LeBron too, wasn't it? Uh, I think it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, look, I mean, let's assume that Beal's healthy, and that's the case. Uh, it should be a fun offensive display. Neither of these teams very good defensively. The Celtics obviously better, but a big part of that, Jalen Brown, no longer available. But Marcus Smart is also the player that I, I see as mm-hmm. an X-factor there because not only can he provide some offensive punch, but you know he's going to be the guy willing to accept the challenge of trying to stop Russell, or at the very least, force him into one of his more inefficient games. And that kind of plays to Boston's, you know, or, or their preference, certainly. But Washington's weaknesses is that you can have Russ kind of shoot you out of a game very quickly and very easily. Uh, you know, you're, you'll get your 30-something points from Beal pretty typically, but you kind of count on Westbrook to have at least a pretty good game. 
uh, and not a very bad one. And he could probably be guided very easily towards having a very bad game, unfortunately. And if that's the case, that you could see Boston advancing pretty easily. I, look, I, Does Boston but, have an answer for Daniel Gafford, though, is the question. <laughs> Davis Bertans, I mean, he's a guy who could shoot uh, pretty yeah. easily there. I, I could see that being a matchup that Washington might win. But look, it's just... The point, though, to to your overall point was you look at what Boston has done or had to deal with over the last couple of weeks. I don't know. Like there's there's professional pride. Right. But I, yeah. I just can't I can't get over the fact that I don't know what they're playing for. Like there's no realistic chance of them advancing. It feels like another lost season. Celtics fans are already trading away half their roster, firing Brad Stevens, looking at complete overhauls for their roster. And sure, that's the more unreasonable, passionate fans among that fan base. But I don't know what their motivation is. Like, they may just be kind of already halfway to Cancun at this point. Well, I think you hit on a key thing there, and it's what I keep going back to with this game is because I don't know that the Celtics do have a motivation. First of all, this is a one-off thing. Like, we've never seen this before, this play-in game thing. And so much of a postseason and stuff like this or whatever we want to qualify this as is confidence, is, is swagger, is belief, is experience, right? But it just feels like the Celtics – are just sort of slinking through this thing and, and basically slink through this whole regular season since the finals last year. Right. right. It's just, they have like this defeatist attitude about them and an aura around them. Meanwhile, the wizards have swagger. They have Russell Westbrook. Like Russell Westbrook doesn't need stakes. He needs a basketball, right? Like that's all he's playing for. I mean, that guy has been so relentless all year long. And you just wonder if something like that, if that kind of energy that Westbrook is going to bring into this matchup, I think it just wipe away everything that Boston wants to do, tries to do, thinks that they can do. I, I just don't see how they can match that. And, and look, maybe this ultimately comes down to Jason Tatum just saying, you know what, I got this. And this could be a huge moment for him and whatever it is that he projects to become. Right. Uh, but right now, I, I, I just have a hard time thinking like the Wizards have been playing well. They're six and four in their last 10. They've won two straight going into this thing. They're confident. It feels like they have something to play for and just bragging rights. And for Boston, just doesn't feel like pride is enough for them. And it hasn't been for a long time. And that's why I, I teased the segment by saying, I don't think that the Celtics have yet hit rock bottom. Because if you lose to Washington in this play-in game, I know you have a second chance to beat either Indiana or Charlotte and end up as the eighth seed. I don't think they'll do might, that either. They might, they might not. We've seen them combust before. And even if they do, like I, I, it does sort of feel like to me, this is going to be a very pivotal offseason for them and because they need to make some some real changes like yeah. the jalen brown thing could be an excuse but they were not great before it's not like they were the number one seed when jalen brown was healthy so i, I don't know what they're going to do you know it's just funny because you look at the last couple of seasons for them and they've had these outsized expectations right and first you can kind of pin it on Kyrie irving being a troublesome player and not meshing that locker room kind of sabotaging everything and and then you have built-in excuses with Gordon Hayward leaving, and mm -hmm. you think maybe, oh, his injury last year, that's why they lost to the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals was because of Hayward and his injury, and he was concerned about his pregnant wife and everything else, and all these different things that they've kind of just used as excuses. And for the Hayward thing was weird because they were like, hey, we lost in the finals because we didn't have Gordon Hayward, and then they turn around in the offseason, and they're like, we don't even need Gordon Hayward. We'll be fine that's without right. him. It's like, which one is it? Yeah, yeah, you can't have it both ways. So it's like they're kind of getting their comeuppance for any Celtics fans listening to the show. Sorry, but I mean, that's just the reality. I'm not that, sorry. Well, okay, good. Every year you kind of go in there saying, oh, that's it, a title, Danny Ainge, Trader Ainge, he's the one. He's going to be building this awesome team. And then you always fall short, and it's like, oh, 
I don't know where you're looking to as, as far as your excuse making now. Right? I mean, I guess Jalen Brown, like you said, is a, a very good reason not to, to well, have well, it. I think you're being unfair to Danny Ainge. I mean, this season he pulled off a really great trade in getting Evan Fournier. Oh, no, wait, that wasn't a good trade. Never mind. Well, Heat fans would disagree. At Fournier, he seems to average 35 points per game against the Heat ever since his Magic days. Too. So, I mean, I, look, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of the Celtics. I have seen them kind of limp through their last couple of weeks there. The injury was deflating for them. They, they seem to kind of get up for that first game of the, the two-game series last week against the Heat when they were kind of competing against each other for the one of the playing the seeds or to avoid the playing tournament, and they got spanked so easily in the first game. They gave up in the second game completely, and now it's just like, well, what, what are we playing for here? So I feel like it's going to carry over into the actual tournament itself. There's a good chance that they could be eliminated from playoff contention altogether. We're going to talk about uh, we're going to predict the winners of both of the nine, 10 games next. But first, David, tell the listeners about bet online. Well, it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports. Actually, look, baseball season's in full swing. You can track all the action of bet online, but there's so much going around the sports world around us. The start of the new WNBA season, the NHL playoffs, and of course, the NBA playoffs as well. So head over to bet online on your laptop or your mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, contest information, everything on their site. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prepare for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device. Sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online they're your online sportsbook experts and don't forget to use the promo code locked on all right i'm gonna let you pick which one we start with david pacers hornets or grizzly spurs oh jeez, <laughs> that's a really great choice is there like honestly <laughs> I, I feel like the Hornets series might be more fun yeah like, i know they haven't been great lately uh the pacers though tend to kind of slow things down dramatically. They'll probably control the tempo of the series, and I could see them having a clear edge over the Hornets. Um, no, I think actually that's that I, that's exactly my notes I've got in front of me. That's the key to that series for me, or to that game for me. Look, the Pacers, no TJ Warren, probably no Miles Turner. Uh, since Miles Turner went down, they've been 20th in defensive rating, so no longer that, that strong – Indiana defense that they had when Miles Turner was basically vying for defensive player of the year and was, you know, the, the NBA's best shot blocker. But uh, Karis LeVert and, and Sabonis have been playing well over the last few weeks. They they seem to be a little bit more offensive oriented. Malcolm Brogdon is giving them some stuff. Uh, so they've got like a nice trio there. But uh, to me, the headline at least is, is LaMelo ball. And um, look, the, the, in, in a game, it, it, the, the the Pacers like to play a lot of zone, and that's going to force the Hornets into taking a lot of jump shots. And the mm-hmm. Hornets are a streaky shooting team with with Ball and Malik Monk and Terry Rozier. Like, those are streaky shooters. So if they're shooting well, then there's a chance that they just break this game wide open. But the other way of this, that this could work is can Lonzo or can LaMelo Ball just sort of snap that zone, snap that whatever's remaining of that Indiana defense with just his passing? And if you think about it, David, I mean – of the top rookies, Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, like Tyrese Halliburton this year, Lamelo's the only rookie in a in a playing in a game in a rookie in his rookie season with playoff stakes. This is going to be really exciting, I think, and that's why I'm excited to watch is just to see how Lamelo responds because he's sort of the key to the Hornets winning this thing. 
Yeah, you know, I, I, I keep thinking to a, a quote that I've attributed for a long time to Walt Frazier, you know, that the regular seasons where you make your, your fame uh, or you make your name and then the playoffs are where you make your fame. Like for LaMelo, this is what Hornets fans are looking forward to, right? For him to rise up to the challenge, for him to become the star that they're building around for the future. And yeah, you're missing Hayward, you're missing other pieces. But at the same time, if you've got ball, maybe he can do just enough to throw off the Pacers defense find those open shooters and then have that explosive game that you were talking about. So that's certainly the interesting prospect there. Like the Pacers aren't going to be fun to watch, even for Pacers fans. I, I think they're just, they've given up on this season too. Not, not quite as badly or uh, they're not dreading it as much as Celtics fans, but I think there's been so many rumors about Bjorkren and everything else that's gone on in that locker room. It's kind of fallen apart there very quickly for them. Uh, you know, so it's going to be a, an yeah. interesting matchup, a lot of different stakes there, but for LaMelo ball, you're right. Like you want to see your rookies perform. And, and I know just in covering Miami last year, having Tyler hero have big games in the Orlando bubble really gave a lot of heat fans, some hope for a future, right? Because this is a guy who was picked late in the lottery. You're not quite sure what his career is going to pan out. You're hearing about all the different things regarding, you know, his size limitations and athletic, you know, lack of athleticism and things of that sort. And then he winds up still finding a way to bury the Celtics, to bury the Bucks at one point. And, and it's just like all these different things that, that went into the legend of Tyler Hero perhaps somewhat being overinflated. I'll credit that. You know, I, I think I've contributed to that just as much as anybody. But you look at LaMelo Ball, and certainly there's a lot of hype there. He's accepted it. He kind of thrives on it. And so this is his opportunity to prove that he can be that superstar Hornets fans are hoping for. I like the Hornets in this matchup. Um, Spurs-Grizzlies. Uh, I don't like any of these teams. If there is a game for people to skip, it is most certainly this one. This one is... <laughs> It's going to be a clunker. You have the Spurs, 30th in the league in three-point shooting. Memphis, 24th in the league in three-point shooting. You're going to get both teams just trying to get to the rim. But both the, both of these teams have really good rim protectors in Jakob Portal and Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, I think this matchup comes if – I'm, if I'm looking at any matchup, it kind of comes down to John Morant versus Deontay Murray. Uh, mm -hmm. Which one does, – does Deontay Murray get the best of Morant? Can Morant break Murray and, and get to the rim? And, and have one of his X-Factor type games where instead of going, you know, six for 20 for 13 points, he goes, you know, 15 for 24 for 30-something points. That, to me, is what this game is going to come down to. That's a good point. Uh, I mean, you could always get a DeMar DeRozan game, too. It yeah. seems unlikely, but... Uh, I mean, you could get a DeMar DeRozan game and then not get a game from anybody else on San Antonio, and that's why the Spurs have lost so much this year. It's just yeah, they're not I mean, any help. Lost four in a row, two yeah. of eight over the last 10. I mean, not not a great way, I, again, for a team like, you know, we've talked about the Celtics a lot, but I mean, the Spurs, not sure what they're playing for either, not sure what their expectations are. And, and you're kind of, quote unquote, in the playoffs, but only by the, the, the slimmest of definitions there. Uh, I, I don't know that they're exactly excited to take on the Grizzlies and beat them just for the chance to beat the Lakers again, just so they can get the eighth seed just so they can, you know, or, or no, sorry, not won't maybe beat the Lakers or the Warriors for the eighth seed uh, just so they can take on the jazz or the Suns. You know, that's not, not a great thing for that or the jazz specifically, they would be able to, if they locked in that eighth seed, I don't know. And it's just looking at that matchup, honestly, I, I don't know. I hate to say it. I don't know that I care. Like this is a, this is no. like an Eastern conference well, matchup that just happens to be in the West. <laughs> That's the thing about these nine, 10 games is so much has been made of this play in tournament, but you're kind of looking at a situation where the seven and eight seeds are kind of just going to end up being the seven and eight seeds anyway, probably. Right. Uh, and you're just going to have the top eight seeds in each conference. But with that said, if we had to pick one team out of the nine, 10 matchups in the East or the West, 
which of those teams do you give the best chance? Not a prediction saying that they're going to come out and make the playoffs as the number eight seed, but which uh, between the nine, 10 seeds, who would you give the best chance of coming out and getting the eight seed? Memphis. I kind of yeah. lean towards Memphis. I, I feel you. like yeah, their versatility, their depth. Uh, I mean, I think the, well, and Morant as a, a big name, certainly something that's exciting for a lot of people to watch, especially on the periphery. So I don't know. I, I'd be curious to see how they respond to the challenge there. And, and look, they're they're building something. I'm not sure they're quite sure what that is. Um, I, and I know they're still a young team and they're kind of trying to find their identity, but you have to start making some serious progress. You can't just be an also ran forever, yeah. especially during the early stages of a young superstar's career. Uh, for the Grizzlies, they're in, it's an interesting situation, too, because obviously they played the Warriors on the Sunday before the last Sunday of the regular season. If the Warriors lose to the Lakers on Wednesday, then the Warriors would host the Grizzlies on Friday. The Grizzlies are a good team, right? Mm -hmm. uh, beating the if you're the Warriors, even at home, beating the Grizzlies twice in a week is difficult. And so, you know, I don't if I'm going to give a chance to any of these teams, it would be it would be Memphis. Ultimately, I do think it'll be the seven and eight seeds becoming the seven and eight seeds. Is that your prediction as well? Let's just end the show on some predictions. So what do you think? Do you, who, who comes, who's the seventh seed in the, in the East? Who's the eighth seed in the East? Uh, in the East, I think it's Washington. I think they punch the Celtics in the mouth and the Celtics just find a way to crumple. And then uh, in the play and the nine, 10 matchup versus the loser of that game. I feel like the Celtics will lose to the Indiana Pacers. Oh, so you got the Pacers going in as the eighth seed. Yeah, I think the Pacers will beat the Hornets and they'll beat the Celtics. All right. And then uh in the West, you've got the Lakers at seven. Well, I'll finish, I'll do my I'll do my East prediction. I think I think Washington, you know what? I like yours. Screw the Celtics. They're out of it. Done. Rock bottom all the way. Sorry, John Corrales. It's Washington at number seven. You know what? I'm <laughs> gonna go, I'm gonna go Charlotte as my eighth seed in, in the in the East. Lamella ball gets into the playoffs. Uh in the West, Lakers are seventh seed. Who's your eighth seed? Uh, I think the Warriors find a way to do it. Uh, no, if yeah. they lose to the Lakers in that matchup, then they'll find a way to just, I, I, I can't count stuff out twice. No, I agree with you. I think, uh, I think we're seeing, uh, the Lakers and, and the Warriors in the playoffs. That'll do it for us today. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of locked on NBA, wherever you listen to the podcast for 30 minutes of the NBA's top stories every day. We'll be back here next Tuesday. In the meantime, you can find me over at locked on warriors and David over at locked on heat. Both of us, covering playoff teams david more so than i am we'll see if i'm covering a real playoff team. now get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the locked on today podcast host peter bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts follow the locked on today podcast on the odyssey app wherever you get podcasts thanks for listening